Hi, I'm Mark Hill, and this is the segment, The Podcast. I believe in human's potential, that the ultimate expression of oneself is achievable. And we all have that urge, that need to progress and become better. And I feel that the trail can help us do that. Whether it's overcoming fears, learning from mistakes, taking calculated trail risks, or building those long-lasting friendships. It's all progression. Join me as I speak with folks who are moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary, and let's catch them on their journey towards the KOM of their life. Welcome to the segment. Let's go. Oh, what is up, senders? Welcome back to another episode of the Segment Podcast. On this episode, our special guest tonight is Dr. Jason Richardson. He is a world champion, Pan Am Games gold medalist, Olympic psychologist, mental skills coach, and speaker. And also get this, he is the author of a book called More, Better, Happier. I hope you guys enjoy the story as he takes us through some of those critical moments in his life that ended up to be where he is today. Also, if you want to pick up the book, you could find More Better Happier on Amazon.com. Or if you go to drjasonrichardson.com, the website, you can see more about Dr. J. Rich there, as well as pick up that book. Without further ado, I will take you over to the episode. Hope you enjoy. Before we jump in, I do want to just say, if you take a look at the description below, you will see all of the companies that help support the segment podcast, as well as the segment YouTube channel, YT Industries, Tasco MTB, Afton Shoes, Spy, Optic, Dianese, Better Bolts, and a few more. Take a look there if you're looking for promo codes to give you a little bit of a discount, affiliate links that will help support the channel. And I do always appreciate all of you for downloading this. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode with our special guest, Dr. Jason Richardson. Hey, senders, welcome back to another episode of the Segment Podcast. How are you all doing? It's always great to be on here and seeing everybody that's in the chat. Thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, tonight, we have a special guest. It is Dr. Jason Richardson. Now, this guy is very dynamic, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Um, as always, this show is very interactive, so if you have questions for Dr. Richardson, please put them in the chat. We'll do our best to get to them. But uh, Dr. Jason Richardson basically is a Pan Am gold medalist winner for BMX. He's also a current mountain biker, rides for Canyon Mountain Bikes, an extremely talented individual, both mentally and physically. Mentally, he has his doctorate degree in psychology. Uh, if you go to his website, it's drjasonrichardson.com. And uh, on there, he does say he helps create results for athletes, entrepreneurs, and executives by combining psychology and coaching. And just to back up the cred that this guy, that this gentleman brings to the table, he's a world champion, Pan Am gold games medalist. Olympic psychologist, mental skills coach, and speaker. So I'm extremely excited to have Dr. Jay Rich on the show tonight. And uh, without further ado, let's go ahead. Oh, and, and might I mention, author, author of the book, More, Better, 
happier. Without further ado, let's bring Dr. Jay Rich on the show tonight. Hey, hey. Oh, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> hey, good. Dude, I know I've said thank you before, but thank you so much for jumping on. You're and welcome helping. so much. Yeah, I thanks really for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, Dr. Jason Richardson, let the folks know a little bit about your background. For those who don't know you yet, um, tell them a little bit about your background in BMX and then also into the psychology. How did yeah. all that happen? So I rode, I raced BMX um, all my life. I uh, started probably when I was five or six. I did that because that's what my brother did. And he did that because the BMX track was next to a skate park. And so that's the quick story of that. So I was just a little kid trying to be like his older brother. Um, nice. He was the factory sponsored guy. He rode Ooh. for Mongoose in the mid Mongoose in the mid eighties. Oh, dang. Um, Blue Mac. Yeah. He's, he was the man. And then he, he, uh, that fateful thing happened. He got a driver's license. Oh. And so <laughs> I thought you were going to say injury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He got a driver's license. Well, so if you, yeah, BMX, if you make it past driver's license and then you make it past like high school graduation, chances right. are good. You're, you're a lifer with the um, girls. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, um, long story bearable, but I kept riding and I used to be terrible actually. But, um, yeah, one, I grew up in Jersey, kind of Jersey and split time with Vegas because, okay. you know, parents divorced, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I would ride to the track one, one year I decided to start riding to the track before it opened for the season. Cause in Jersey oh. didn't race all year round started wow. winning, like nice. doing well, everyone was surprised. And I thought that felt good. And then I, decided well maybe i want to be the guy who's a factory sponsored rider and then yeah then that's that's the path i chose i did end up moving to vegas to live with my dad um and just matriculated on up the scene um became a top amateur rode for you know factory teams and um and honestly i turned pro just to say i turned pro because i was going to go to college uh -huh. um so i turned pro in high school uh just to kind of goof off and say, yeah, I'm pro, whatever. Kind of just <laughs> check the box. Yeah. Cause there's two levels of pro. Okay. Anyways, long story bearable again. Um, my sponsor was like, okay, you only have five races this year. Like, what? Just five. So how, I how decided are normally, are, well, are there normally I, more before it was or? great. I was a factory sponsored rider. It was like, how many races could, I mean, it was this, it was the, it was the, the season. It was the, you know, it was yeah. the whole series. It was like, go race. Yeah. Um, but you know, I guess money was tighter and I was kind of bullshitting a little bit <laughs> and they're like, you only have five races. So I decided, um, and I'm in college at this point okay. when they said this. So, um, rather than work a J O B part-time, I said, yeah. okay, let me give this a go. And, um, I was able to turn up a level to the highest level in pro, like within five races. Oh. And then I used my money I made to go to the next race, then use my money I made to go to the next race. Nice. And then just, that's how I was doing it. And then luckily another sponsor came on board and, you know, paid for everything. And then I just started riding the wave. It was crazy. Um, then TV started coming in and then mountain bike companies started coming back in the sport. So more money it. back in the sport because BMX in the mid nineties was like, it was, it was the new category again, somehow. Got um, it. That was like, wasn't that when Rad came out? So that's that like 80s. 80s. That's 80s. Oh, okay, BMX okay. was like big in the mid 80s, and then yeah. it lulled down, and then in like the mid 90s, it got big again. Because then we had yeah. X Games come online, and we had, 
you know, specialized had BMX riders, Gary Fisher, Trek, oh, yeah. Giant. I rode for Giant. I was teammates with John Tomac. Oh, um, dang. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was like big. Um, and budgets and trucks and trailers and TV and dang. outside sponsors. So, yeah. So I made a living riding a BMX bike. So um, good. Yeah. Um, rode for Giant, rode for Intense, uh, rode for Haro, um, wow. Krupi some other companies in there like vans and odi and all the the kind of things and some of the companies i got to watch kind of start out um answer was a big sponsor forever um and then some of the people from there went to dvo or so it's pretty cool like so that's how i have my tentacles in the industry a bit it's just because i'm old um and i've been racing for a long time anyways so yeah so 15 years as a pro which is crazy which is crazy um, but I always went to school because school kept me racing and racing kept me in school. <laughs> That's how I say, <laughs> like to say it. Um, and then I went on to, I got my MBA, wasn't doing anything with that. Then I broke my leg in 2006. Fever. Oh, okay. Pretty crazy. Jeez. I hear that's and, really painful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was pretty gnarly. So um, lesson is don't get hurt out of network, knock on the wood. So Who's helicopter that? flights aren't cheap. Was that was that during practice or was that that was during a race? Okay. During a race, yeah. Wow. Um, but I decided that on the mend, I decided that I didn't want to go out like that. Um, so I decided to race again. It, it gave me a carrot to to get better. Um, and I ended up racing again. Go and that's I actually won the Pan Am Games in two thousand seven after I broke my leg, like a year and a half after I broke my leg. Holy cow. Okay. Let me, let me pause you right there because there are some nuggets in here that I'm seeing. So the first one is going back to when you were a kid and you weren't, you would, you said that you weren't the best rider, but you started riding your bike to the park. Was there something that happened that transformed you into a competitive winning type of rider during that time? So here's the thing. I don't know that I, was that competitive as much as I liked the lifestyle of BMX and bikes and the community and all that. And like I said, my brother was the fast one. So that's that checked the boxes for me. I was cool to be like in his draft. He's the fast one. I was still getting some bikes here and there because of him. (laughs) But you're loving it. Like I didn't need to, yeah, I didn't need to whatever it was. It was good. And then he was gone and then I still raced didn't think any other thing of it. And I was literally just like, I, I just decided to ride to the track because okay. it was in a park. Okay. Egg Harbor Township, shout out New Jersey. Yeah. Um, but lo, lo and behold, I was kind of training and not realizing it because that became yeah. my thing, riding back and forth to the track. And then um, I raced and I won and everyone was like, where'd that come won. from? I'm like, I just won. <laughs> yeah, I won. So it was pretty, pretty funny. But then I was like, okay, well, let me race the state series and let me start going to nationals again. And then went to visit my dad in Vegas, went to a national, got a taste of the West coast life again, like okay. the real, the real thing. <laughs> and then I moved to live with my dad in the middle of eighth grade. And I'm like, let's make a go. And he said, well, if you want to race, I need to see you practice. God. So I would ride my rollers every night. Um, in front of the TV type of in thing, front of, it, dude. It was full. That was my. That was my. Um, that was my training. I'd ride my rollers, have my headphones, my headphones on, my Walkman, and just crank it, and just woo, 
just leg speed. Ooh, 15 minutes. I could ride with no hands. I could wheelie. I got good on rollers. Now, um, this is eighth, so, this is eighth grade. Is there was this all done off of passion, or so, did you see a goal that you were just so really eighth grade through high school? So remember, it was this lifestyle I was chasing. Okay, right. So now it's like, okay, well, I want to be a dude in the magazines. I want to be factory. I want to, I want to get plane tickets sent to my house to go nice. race. Like yes. that was. So I was tagging along with my brother because that's what was happening with him, and I got a taste. Oh, you got to see it. I yeah. got a taste, and then I, I was not that like his his jersey said factory racing mine said racing team uh, <laughs> you know like there was a difference this is back this is back in the 80s not everyone was like like it was definitely exclusionary back then i'll, wow. I'll put it that wow. way so, why is mine in crayon what the heck yeah yeah pretty much pretty much so so the only way to join the club was to be part of the club got it which meant like okay you're go to nationals start making some mains start winning them and then it was then it got very competitive. Like I started making mains and the goal is just get on a factory team. And I came close and I came close. And then I caught a big break. Um, I caught a lot of breaks, but I caught a big break when I rode for Auburn, which was a subsidiary of GT. And at that point, GT was like GT, Powerlight, Robinson, Auburn. So there was this huge thing. So um, just they called it the firm. And I, I was I kind of hit a stride. I started winning, like winning, winning my class in nationals. Nice. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was all about going, trying to get a perfect score to go in the grand nationals, which meant six wins. Um, wow. and that was the deal to try to be number one amateur. Um, I became number one age group, but not number one amateur. Um, and if you want to watch that, me lose that, that's on YouTube as well. Um, grand <laughs> nationals. Yeah. I get beat at the line and I, I was so oh. funny when I watched that race, I'm riding scared the whole time, nervous, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was the goal. And like I said, and then when I turned pro, like I said, I was just kind of checking the box, thinking I had to kind of, you know, call it a day because I was going to school. And then I got to school, college, and the, you know, the part-time job thing wasn't working for me. Okay. And I lived in, I was in San Diego at this time. And so now you have, so now I'm going to the same track that Eric Roop and Mike King and Sean Texas and Kiyomi Waller. Um, and, you know, a few of those were mountain bike guys too, like King yeah. and Waller. Um, and like this is my practice group wow right? that elevates so, the game yeah so um and and the track is like five miles from my college dorm room so i'm thinking i i'm gonna give racing a go i'm gonna make it a go yeah and and sure enough like i said i was using every, the money i earned to pay for the next race and then it it just became its own its own deal like pretty crazy right that is crazy yeah. that's cool that you had that hunger and the forward thinking to use the winning money to get to the next race you know the entry fees to get there all that stuff who was the what company gave you your first big so race? okay so auburn was like you know they said okay you only have five races left I'm like dang it so you you at the time you needed to make two grand in a year to turn up double a pro okay and i was actually short like I, I was, and then I had one more race in my contract. And so I said, I'm going to turn myself up and race double A and like, you know, give them a fair opportunity to say yes or no. And I actually turned myself up. I ended up doing really well, like making my main events, like 
nice. doing really well. This is on that one last I, race. This is that one, that last race. <clears throat> oh. But then, you know, so I called Todd, Todd Huffman, who was, you know, manager of Dang. the team. And he's like, oh, I'd love to keep you. You can ride the stuff. We just don't have the budget. And then I ended up riding for a company called TNT. TNT bicycles out of New Jersey. Oh, Gotta love Jersey. Back. Jersey came back. <laughs> Jersey came Jersey back. Came back. <laughs> and it was, but it was worked out perfect because one guy had just left like Alan Foster just left and him and his brother were kind of starting to hit it big with Airwalk, And so there was room on this team. So I called teams. I'm like, yo, I'm like, sure. We can pay your entry fees. And that's what they did. And I had to pay for my travel, but the next year they hooked it up. It was like entry fees, salary, wow. plane they, tickets. They and then the I, yeah. Yeah. And then 95 good friend of mine, Bill grad, who was an industry guy worked for ODI goes, Hey, I hear giants going to get into BMX. Cause he would get the trade publications. Okay. And then he hooked it up with like a spreadsheet of how much it costs. He's like, how much salary do you want? I'm like, I don't know, put this much down. And then <laughs> we put it down. And then I just, um, I, I still presented myself pretty well back then. And I always sure. had my resume. I just made a phone call, sent the resume in. And then, um, they were starting this brand called Mosh, which was kind of, kind of punk rock, kind of edgy. I was bleaching my hair back then, met the dude at the bike show. And it was like, Boom, signed a deal right then and there. Really? It was crazy. It was crazy. Wow. So then I'm just like on giant, right? Oh my god. I'm at gosh. school. And my first race, it's so funny, not my first race. So I would go back home to Vegas in the in the you know uh winter time. Uh-huh. And I remember I'd got on in October, which is kind of a funky time to get on a team, but Mark was cool at TNT and letting me go. Like it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up, type thing. Yeah. Um and and so I hadn't gotten in their payroll system because I was like the new guy. And so anyways, there was like three months of pay that they owed me by the time I got to Christmas time. Oh and I said, gosh. oh, just send it to Vegas, send it to my dad's office. And my dad always opened my mail. Like, like if it's coming to his property, it's his. So he yeah. opened my mail. And then, <laughs> but it was one of the coolest things because both of my parents, as much as they supported me, they were like, how are you going to make a living doing this? Yeah. And then he, he was like, he, you know, he like opened the mail. He goes, they pay you that much money to ride a bike? I'm like, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so graduated college, um, bought a house. Wow. Had like half an acre, had trails, had Dang. a Range Rover. Like I was balling out at, Dang. you know, at that age. It was crazy. That's was crazy. crazy. That's great. So uh, Lauren, who's out of Miami, Lauren, Zarek is asking, she says, I have a bachelor's in psych and I'm, I am personally well-versed in cray cray. This counts, right? <laughs> it might, it might, especially if you ride bikes regularly. <laughs> so that's getting back to college. When you were juggling racing in college, was that where psychology was studied or where were you? So, yeah. So actually I was a philosophy major. Oh, um, wow. Business minor. Okay. And my dad did tell me, he goes, study what you like. And the money will come, okay. which, you know, the pretty prophetic words, actually. Yeah. Because he was actually pretty utilitarian, but he was an engineer, had a contracting company. And he did extremely well. Um, and I was thinking to go the business route, but it just business interested me, but business classes didn't. Yeah. But philosophy, like I kept coming back to that. I was good with writing. I like to think. I like to kind of talk about issues and big questions and try to tackle those things. So philosophy was my jam. Plus there wasn't that much math involved. Um, but but I gotta be honest, as as far as juggling school and, and racing, it was no juggling. It was racing. Like I was only in school to satisfy this 
you know, the kind of the, the, my future life requirement and my family requirement of go to school, like to satisfy the expectation of going to school. Yeah. So, I mean, I went, I was, I was barely full time. Like I went just enough to be full time, but it took me an extra year. So I graduated in five years rather than four gotcha. because I was racing. And I, and I realized that I wasn't, I didn't want to give up my summers. I wasn't going to give up my summers to race. And um, yeah, about, about the most juggling there was, was making sure I was back in time for classes and planning my classes in a way that, you know, I, I wouldn't miss too much of either. Um, and in my giant contract, I remember having it put in there that, you know, that nothing, that, that, it, you know, nothing was to interfere with school, which was pretty cool. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That was that's super cool. cool. But, but, you know, but that's the difference, right? Like giants, a legit, company right yeah, like big it's, corporate company you know, like, yeah i mean yeah like yeah. like the people in there they they recognize like the the process of education and all that other stuff right exactly. even though bike industry is pretty casual but um but it was cool and yeah. that's a i give a shout out to a guy by the name of dennis conaguy who he's like an old he's like from moto and bikes but he's he was the man Wow. And he, he, he set me up in there pretty well. That's cool. It de definitely sounds like people were looking after you for yourself and your education and your race career. Yeah. So, yeah. So you graduate college, you, you're balling out, you got a half acre, got a house, life is doing well. You're on salary with a big corporate company. When did the Pan Am's championship happened first of all there was an injury in there yeah so that's 97 i was okay. pro for 15 years so that's i graduated Dang. in 97 okay um oddly enough i'm thinking okay now i don't have school i'm gonna kill it dude that was my worst year ever oh why do you think why do you think that was? i think i had too much time to do anything i wanted god so focus maybe was like school like because because when you have a school schedule you're kind of, you know, and if you're somewhat responsible, right. You're going to at least go to class. Yeah. Or I was at least going to go to class and make sure my graded assignments were in. Right. So that meant I, by default, if I wanted to ride, I had to maximize that time outside of that to, to ride. Makes, Makes sense. sense. Yeah. And structure. So yeah. I'm out of school and it's just like, right. And balling out by the way. Right. And I'm paychecks like, coming in. This is great. Life's <laughs> Yo, I was getting Red Bull. Like, I didn't even realize it. Wow. We were sponsored by Red Bull. And it, cases were showing up to my house. And people would come over like, what's this? I'm like, I don't know. Some <laughs> some energy drink or something. You want some? Like, that's yeah. how crazy. It'll never it work out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was just like the dirt jumper on the team. He had a Red Bull helmet. And he would, but they would like send the team stuff. I'm like, I don't know. Kind of tastes wow. like carbonated cough syrup. It's pretty good. I don't know. Um <laughs> Dang. anyways hey so so um i managed to keep my sponsor but then um yeah but so I, I i decided to go i decided to go back to school because all my friends outside of racing were like working in banks or working in investment firms or you know that and they're like oh and then they started talking about you know this graduate school called university of phoenix and their school would pay and i'm like oh i could probably do that and that sounds cool i might as well yeah. um and so I'm, I ended up signing up for school and they didn't. Okay. And so I was back in the school thing and um, I just kept going, but I rode for giant until about 2000 okay. end of 99. I got dropped. Um, okay. Cause everybody started going the dirt jump freestyle route. 
because that's where the the tv coverage because x games was like okay we're this is the stunt stuff is more us we did have a bmx show okay um (laughs) and then i yeah so then it was kind of that that those 2000 was my angry year (laughs) no sponsor (laughs) oh no no. yeah but no it was good because i decided that like that's when i buckled down like that's when it that's what that was like a really good thing because um i i became him well i started becoming like the person that turned like i started kind of coming back to myself again okay um which was like i was just like remember just like laying on the bed just like drooling like uh this sucks nobody wants to talk to me oh, man. <laughs> um, right. and then i just um i just a, a switch flipped i'm like what am i doing it's like i so I stopped and it's probably divine intervention really, but I stopped focusing on the business of racing okay. and started focusing on the business of my life. Ooh, I love and I, that. And I backed out and I'm like, okay. And then I noticed my neighbor was selling a house and I looked at how much he was selling the house for. I'm like, that's a lot of money. Mm. So I put my house for sale like the next day, by the way, Eddie King, Canyon teammate sold yeah. my house. No, <laughs> like he's a real estate. Real it's estate so agent. great how, how this works, right? <laughs> um, but he was like famous BMX pro, so became real estate agent. So Eddie King's gonna sell my house. Wow. Um, so um, yeah, sold my house, made over a hundred grand. But this time I didn't like buy another car. I bought a condo, and then I bought another condo. Smart. And then I flipped that condo, and then I used the money that I flipped. To send myself racing. Now I didn't need a sponsor. Wow. Right. So now I'm like super empowered. I'm like, okay, okay. I can do this without anybody, which is like very empowering. That um, must have been a huge turning point. Yeah. But, and so, and then the results did, they, the results started to come around slowly. And then I was like, you know, so I went to the bike show, ran into some people that I knew from France and long story bearable again. Um, the guy started a new company. He's like, oh, I'm a sponsor. I'm like, okay, sure. And so I started going to Europe and I'm wow. like riding these tracks and I'm like racing different races. And then what, and then one of the guys, the older guys on the team, you know, I didn't know, but he had like a background in physio and training and he went to school for that. He's like, Hey, do you want to work together? And I'm like, yeah, sure. We can train. And then I get home and it's like, boom, here's your training schedule. I'm like, Oh, but you know i just started doing it i just started doing it and then i swear like like i became so consistent like in the back half of my career so i'm like basically 28 through 34 (laughs) i it was crazy how consistent i was like huge main events like like four world finals in a row like wow. yeah like really wow. just hammering it down and then um and then it came around rode for croupy i you know i got off the french team and then i rode for croupy uh croupy bikes which is kind of a boutique brand high-end components and then then you know i at this point i'm a dad i'm married walking to the stroller and then i got a call from haro and i'm Whoa. like and it's and i'm thinking like okay maybe i'll race this year maybe i'm done and i had a call from haro and it's like boom two-year contract wow i'm back yeah, then I ride for Haro. I won. I win this. I win the first race of the year. And this is when they start to keep Olympic points, and I won that race. Dang. And then went to Oklahoma, and then broke my leg. Gotcha. So you broke your leg <laughs> on Haro. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But they were cool. So they basically were like, "Well, hey, we'll fu-, you know they got someone to fill in for me 
super like NASCAR style. They got someone to fill in for me, <laughs> and, but they allowed me to do some team managing. So oh, I would wow. just like get these guys set up in hotels and flights. And sometimes I'd put them in a, you know, little funny hotel just for fun. Um, <laughs> but you but, had to uh, learn a different part yeah, of the industry. Yeah. That's but um, cool. that, that was that. And then um, I, you know, I, I was able to come back and race. So broke my leg in February, 2006. And I was racing in August of 2006. August, 2006. And then that following summer, Pan Am games, got the call and I'm like, and I was in, and it, it, it got a little inconsistent in truth. Like I was a main maker, but not that consistent. And, you know, um, it was just difficult. And then, uh, but I, I knew that was probably going to be my last shot at like putting my name in the record books on something. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And I was yeah, back in school it. at that point. Wow. And um, I won. And the cool thing about that, about the win was I was in school, like becoming sports psychology, Dr. Jason. Right. Wow. And, and a dad. Ri- You're a dad check too. this out. I'm writing a paper. Like I have an assignment and the papers on like high performing, you know, like child product, like prodigy type athletes. And the wow. paper I'm getting chills when I talk about it, the paper I was writing on was on Connor Fields and Jeff Upshaw. Wow. Okay. I'm in Rio writing this paper. Connor Fields, years later, goes to Rio and wins the Olympics. Whoa. Yeah. And Jeff Whoa. Upshaw was the alternate on the team. And those are the kids I was writing the paper on Holy in 2007. Cow. They go back in 2016 and just drop the hammer. Pretty Holy crazy. cow. So you already identified this talent early on. Well, I mean, it was pretty – it wasn't that we identified them. I just – those were the guys. I mean, everybody could look at the pool of racers and go, okay, those kids are going to have those, a career. But, they stand but it was just cool that like – that's how the connection was and then um, holy cow yeah wow that is cool and you won on haro were you haro so i was riding on haro mike king was um, running the bmx director of usa cycling's program um (laughs) one of the physios works for the detroit pistons now it's pretty cool Um, and we're in rio and yeah we had like security detail we had secret oh ser- there's secret service that you don't know is secret service. That's how Whoa. dope it is. Like they're watching after you guys. That's crazy. Yeah, because they're watching out for you. And then they kind of like after the fact, like, yeah, you, you're fine. But um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, so that was that. And I just remember, um, yeah, it was. I didn't win any race but the final. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Take me to the final. So you hadn't won any of those races except for the final. None so- of the qualifiers except for the final. Yep. So you've been you've been keeping an eye on these guys as they're going through the qualifiers. You're probably looking. I'm the for oldest weaknesses. guy. You're I'm the oldest okay. guy, and okay. and I know I can win this, right? Um, okay. But here's the thing. So you, so when you go to Pan Am Games or Olympics, it's you're in this. You're in a bubble. You're in the village. Like it's a. It was a village, and like every country has either a tower or a floor, and some smaller countries share a you know and so you're in this and but the whole time like i could not deny the fact that this was probably it and that i did want to win like like there was no if i make the main i'll be happy right if i podium even I'll be happy. even a second and third would have been like okay but at the end of the game end of the day it was a pan am games not the olympics so it's like i like pretty much first was the only thing that would actually it at the time for me just be stamped. That's what I wanted. Yeah. yeah. Like I could not escape that. Wow. And so, but, and that's why I always say it is a, there is a responsibility to what you want. 
Like if you want that thing, there's a responsibility to it. And, and that responsibility is like all the crap you go through or the hoops you have to jump through to get it. Cause a lot, and that's how people talk themselves out of winning. Because mm. the pressure's too much, and it's like, oh well, this is actually good enough. Oh well, yeah. this is actually good enough. Like and then they kind of look yeah. back and they're like, oh, maybe you know. So, yeah. And so I, you know, I was I was riding really well and consistent, and it wasn't my first rodeo. So I just remember like, you know, I had a few things work in my favor. So qualified, got to the main event. We're all getting ready for the final. I'm super dialed in focused I, I have my ritual i have my routine i got the visualization i got the breathing techniques i worked with a sports psychologist for a long time so i'm dialed in the fastest guy there christian Besserina, he got a crappy <laughs> he got a crappy lane which normally is a pretty good lane yeah but it wasn't a good lane there because it had rained a few days before so there was like a little bit of a soft spot oh yeah so that was like the other and then the other guy um um suarez and Ramiro, they were going good, but I think I just had experience on them. So I wasn't like, it was just like, okay, let's go. And then there was another guy, Castro, who was really good. And he's usually good on the back half of the track, but he would have to get through all these other speedsters on the front end. So, right. um, so it was just, it was just the same as always, right? That's yeah. the trick. I was like, okay, Jay, just keep doing the same thing. And I did. Wow. Yep. Got out of the gate. Christian was out. He was actually in front of me. And then he hit that soft spot. He went, boop, he dropped back. I'm like, that's your ass, Mr. Postman. And then I hit the backside (laughs) of the first jump. And I just remember just like, just, just wrenching on my pedals and just, you know, the the finish line couldn't come soon enough. Cause there was, cause John Suarez was behind me and he's really good bike handler. Um, Yeah. And I just crossed the line in first and was crazy. Like that is awesome. How close was it, Dr. J, where where when you finished second place, was it was he right right on your tire or no, it wasn't photo at all. I mean, he was definitely like behind me. So okay. I mean, if I you know, I, but I didn't know where he was in the and really it was the last corner that I thought something would happen. Yeah. Um, so I just kept I just kept pushing. And it's a weird feeling. And I felt that a few other times where it's the last race of the day you're probably going to put down your fastest lap, but body wise, feeling wise, you can hear it when downhillers talk about um, like even most recently when they race Mount St. Anne, like it doesn't look like it, but they're talking about how they can't move their hands and they're just, they feel really tight and constricted. Although you can't see it. Yeah. That's how it felt. It's like, wow. like I was just remember going down the last straight rhythm section, like, <laughs> like, like, like wow. pushing hard, but, but just like, when is this finish line going to come? <laughs> and then I crossed the finish line and like everything went back up in the, in the normal speed again. It was crazy. Dang, dang. Yeah. I love that story, man. I, I love it. Do you remember, or who was second and third in that race? So Suarez was second. Oh, he did um, take Venezuela, second. Uh-huh. Um, who's like, he ended up becoming a, a world champ and a vet pro world champ and, um, on his Olympic team. And then, ah, I don't know who got third, to be honest with you. I don't know who got third. No, but, but yeah. Suarez, you were talking about that guy at the gate and when you're telling that story on, yeah. on how fast some of these guys are. So yeah, I dude, mean, those guys, a lot it. of those guys ended up on their Olympic teams the following year, wow. went on to have, well, Ramiro Marino ended up to ride for Argentina at the Olympics. Christian Bessarino rode for Argentina at the Olympics. Um, 
Suarez at the Olympics, uh, Cash. I don't know about Castro, but yeah, and they had huge bonuses from their countries. Because remember, this is like yeah. now we're in a Olympic kind Calibers. of land. Yeah, yeah, like so different. I got a bonus, but it wasn't as big as their bonus. <laughs> Come on, Haro. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Haro was fine, but I, I did. There was USA Cycling bonus too. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, dude. I I love that story. And tell me what flipped i mean was there a switch that kind of turned on for you at the gate was it more of that you were more seasoned that you felt like i've got these guys it was all so when i won the worlds in 1994 (laughs) um that was my first world to ever race and Mm -hmm. other than me believing i could do it and that it was possible that that's it i couldn't tell you how wow but pan am games i knew exactly how okay and it was and it was staying in that process. But more importantly, it was owning the fact that like that's what I was there for. Wow. Like so I call it setting the temperature. Okay. So you know, you you have a temperature you have an air conditioned unit in your house and you set it at 73. It's gonna kick in if it goes above 73 and you have the heat on. You know, so like you set this temperature and depending on what the temperature is, sometimes that air conditioner has to work harder than others, right? To kind of maintain that thing. And that's the thing in high stakes situations. Like I think sometimes we set our finish lines or bars a little too low. Mm. Uh 78, 79. That's good enough. Yeah. 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 A little uncomfortable. Yeah. And then sometimes it's, um, or sometimes we, we don't take the time to set the bar and we're just kind of like, we, you know, I just want to do my best. I mm. just want to feel good. It's like, well, but what does that you mean? You can feel good and get smoked. Right. You know, and then, and it's only after you get smoked that you realize, oh, I actually would have liked to make the final. Yeah. Oh, I actually would have liked to get top three. I should have, could have. Yeah. So when I go, when I went into that thing and I remember discussing it with my trainer, he's like, well, what do you want? I was like, I want to win. Yeah. <laughs> Before he could even finish the sentence, I was like, I want to win. Right. And I kind of was like thinking, I, I kind of, I kind of think I kind of have to win and I don't say have to often like, like this is it. Yeah. You know? So, so it was just not escaping that, but it's, it was holding that space. One thing I had going for me is I, I had that, I had the schoolwork to kind of like keep me somewhat healthy, distracted a bit. And I was gone for like a week and a half because you go and then you pick up all your stuff and then you go and then you travel. And Oh, interesting side fact. I was on the plane with rower with the rowing team and the Winklevoss twins were on that plane. Whoa. Yeah. They're about, right? Anyways. Um, anyways. Um, yeah. So, so there was no flip. There was no switch. The switch was flipped earlier the day of the race. Okay. Okay. You say, okay. Yeah. Cause I remember getting there. You get on the bus Blah, 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 blah. And then I just remember having my headphones on and then I got there and then they had some rollers to warm up on warm up. and dude, that's it. I just went there and I just, wow. and I have like, I have a process and I have a certain way that I sit on my bike and I have a certain way that I ride. I have a certain way that I breathe. I have a certain way that I hold myself. And I, I just did that and just had my music on. I was just riding my rollers and just getting into that process. Wow. And then the, then the, the job, the whole day, was to do the same damn thing every race. Dang. That was the job. It. I love Which it. is hard, by the way. Because sure. usually when people, when it gets to the semis times or the final, you hear people say, all right, time to switch, flip the switch, time to turn it up one more notch. It's like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> no doing anything different. <laughs> because here's the thing. 
if you set the intention, right, this is what I want. And you're human about it. Like there's no avoiding the fact that you know who's on the gate or what's at stake or what, where you are in the race, your intensity will rise to the intention. And what happens is people like go in with like all this intensity on like the first moto. I'm at the Pan Am Games. They're going to make it happen. It's like, dude, it's first moto, bro. Like just go on red. (laughs) <laughs> just 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 exit out of the corner clean just spot your exits you know the mountain bike corner terms you know just do the same thing because the situation the intensity of the situation will you'll rise up to that intensity but if there's no intention then you're all over the place God. and then you're chasing your mistakes so wow. there what the switch was flipped when i got on those rollers i'm like okay boom we're in we're in the pocket and then it was just like work the plan work staying the plan. steady the whole day staying steady the whole day. Wow. And that's probably what a lot of the younger caliber riders didn't have. You know, they're probably having a lot of what you had just said, like they are Mm -hmm. just kind of all over the place and now they got to turn it up, but they didn't have that plan built in, man. Your story is so enthralling. I, I need to catch up on the chat for everybody. And there's some questions in here too. Uh, Dr. J we have, um, let's see, uh, gosh, where do I start? I want to start here. Um, oh yeah, Johnny, you is in the house. Mountain bike QA. Well, Miami is here. Miami. So we got Miami. Miami's in the house. We got right and dirty from Arizona is in the house. Dang. Trail pimps. <laughs> yeah, trail pimps in here. Uh Burrell Bikes out of uh Boise, Idaho is in the house. That's a brand new bike company. Actually, is asking, I wonder if BMX got hot girls back in those days when you were balling out. <laughs> um that's a mm, question he's always asking questions like that. dude i let me tell you um i think the 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 crew in the last you know from basically now through the last decade or so has had a much an uh, a nice it's a good looking bunch out there yeah <laughs> um there were a few there were a few bmx um girls that i wouldn't have minded dating back in the day but um, it wasn't in the cards for me. I didn't find out till much later in the years that I had a shot. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That's all you have to say about that. Yeah. Dr. J. Thank you very much for answering that question. Uh, Johnny, you saying this guy is amazing. Uh, Nick says, love that my phone just pinged with an alert that the segment's live with Dr. J. Yeah, Nick Buck. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, we, we, you know, we've been known to go for a pedal every now and then Tuesday yeah. night, Tuesday night, Tuesday night rides, Tuesday night rides. Nick's also saying props to giant. Hope there are still brands looking out for those young riders' educational goals. Yeah, that is so, so cool. Yeah. Well, um, that's the fun part about being with Canyon is I think, you know, meeting everyone there and um, management there and, um, you know, working with Scott and Devin, um, you know, those guys, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm a decent rider, but I think they liked the package and gave me the opportunity to, to represent the brand. And I think, um, you know, the stuff that they're doing with all, you know, whether it's in road or gravel or mountain, um, and, and the people they support, I think they're, they're looking for, you know, kind of a, it, it's a pretty comprehensive package, which is pretty cool. And so it, 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 I feel like I'm getting to relive all this stuff in the right way. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. It, it's cool how it's sometimes those opportunities are created to do that all the little hard work steps that you put in throughout that whole career. Someone saw that on the Trail Monster with a $5 donation to 
the show tonight says, got my nice. psych degree. Criminal justice as well. Wow. Good to see guys. Mark going to lift bike park with Eric riding dirty, a.k.a. Ripper, on Saturday. BMX rules, by the way. Nice. BMX Lo- background. Love it. Riding dirty at Arizona saying, dude, real estate is where it is at. <laughs> and he's an executive chef. So there we um, go. that is cool. Uh, let's see. Mount- Mountain by Q&A says, I had a Haro Revo 9. Hmm. Huh, that's cool. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the Revo was. It, it, oddly enough, Haro was my first mountain bike I ever owned. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. It was like fluorescent yellow and had an elevated chain stay. It was, it was yeah. Was was it hard for you to transition from BMX to mountain bike? Or was that like a natural The first time, yes. The first really? time, yes. Yeah. So when I rode for Giant... um. Clearly, they had mountain bikes, yeah. <laughs> and they had the best guy ever, right? So, um, so I had opportunity to ride mountain bikes, but it was very hard because my claim to fame in BMX was the gate to the first turn. I could sprint and out sprint most anybody. Oh, you're the whole um, shot guy. Yeah, that didn't matter in dual slalom or on downhill, and it definitely didn't matter back in 1996, seven, eight, nine, where there was a lot of flat corners and there was, you know, I was decent at four cross. I remember qualifying pretty well, um, in four cross, but like, I, you know, I, I didn't know how to work the corners that well. And I'm getting T-boned in corner. Like people are like hitting me in the back wheel. I'm like, like, what is going on? Yeah. So (laughs) it actually was a, it was a hard learning curve. And for me, I wasn't as naturally inclined like king carter cully lopes to net um because they grew up riding worse bmx tracks than i had so their they their skill set lent better i think to that type of riding plus they all rougher they're just better riders than me um so for me to take to like take off of bmx to commit to mountain bikes would have been too much of a detriment to my career this time around though well one the bikes are better like a lot better Two, the tracks are, I got to say mountain biking is more BMX than BMX is sometimes. Like when I go to a bike park, I mean, you know, berms, jumps, even some of the natural stuff, it's still kind of BMX the way everything cut and everything. Um, Um, Yeah. BMX nowadays is like very super moto. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That that is crazy to think. So when you but there were... is crossover. So okay. pumping, jumping, track speed, like all that stuff, like generating speed, you know, pushing through jumps, scrubbing, all that stuff is is good. You know, being the precision pieces of it. Yeah. BMXers still like you could watch a BMXer if you know they're a BMXer. Look at their look at their little thing on their fork. Okay. They're never using their full travel on their front fork. Their O-ring ever. is like barely used because they just it's used, but it ain't it's like it's still a good quarter of the way down because they're just they're just not gonna hit stuff. They're not just like roll into something like that. They're right. they're always gonna be like you picking that front end up. Wow. That's such such precision. Yeah. I I love it. I love it. Um Trump Monster saying I still have my 20 inch GT BMX freestyle bike from back in the 90s. Probably worth a lot now. Adam Mock, who's in the business of helping save people's dreams, nice. uh, says so late to this, but looking forward to catching up. Welcome, welcome, Adam yeah, Mock. Yeah. Gosh, Mike, there is so much in in the chats. I love this guy's energy. Okay, so we're already at forty four minutes, and I want to get into so much good get stuff. Get into whatever you. you want. I have the time. I have the time. The, the so, your show. 
what I wanted to to get into. So your your BMX, you won the Pan Am Games, you made a great comeback. You're obviously now into the mountain biking. I'm sure you still ride BMX. You had mentioned that you were going back to school and you were, you know, it's not much of a juggle you're racing, but you wanted to go back to school. Some of it was the structure. Some of it was just having that kind of not, not comfort, but just having something on the side that, you know, is going to pay off. Yeah. I mean, so when you get a degree in philosophy, it's not like there's many philosophy companies hiring. Okay. (laughs) And and I, and I definitely wasn't valedictorian or salutatorian. So it wasn't like I was going to get hired on some, amazing research I did in the area of, you know, thought, <laughs> right? Um, so the MBA was somewhat practical. I wasn't, I, but I wasn't using that because I kept racing. And so when I broke my leg, third race back coming from Albuquerque, was sitting next to a couple and they, they happened to be essentially therapists. Oh, wow. and they were coming back from a convention, got to talking and I was like, Oh, how long, how long does it take to do this? And how long does it take to do that? And I'd worked with a psychologist. So um, I started thinking about, I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I should totally go back to school because I can plug myself back into my sport. I can speak, I can talk, I can, you know, I can, you know, it was, it was, uh, at the time I was thinking I could plug myself back in. I could be like the dude for not only BMX, but action sports. Cause we yeah. didn't really have a guy. Right. Um, not only that helping these athletes transition either into pro or out of pro and kind of recreate this other thing and manage their life. You've walked Dude, that path. That, yeah. yeah. Walk the path um, as well as help them perform. So, so that's what I did. I mean, that was, wow. it was a no brainer. So I got off the plane that was like in October and I was in school that January. And it was like, how fast can I get this? Can I get doctored and licensed? Wow. And Dude, I, I just, and I approached, I approached becoming a psychologist. I remember I was just thinking, okay, like I, I want to be as good of a psychologist as I was a racer. I don't know how that's measured, but that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. And I yeah. just, and I just hit it. Like I hit my training and everything else. It's like full throttle into school. And the cool thing was I, ha- I was racing. So I'd still had, at the time I had like a year left of my contract with Haro. I'd gotten my master's before. So I'm like, okay, I know how to go to school and do this. And I was such a badass in school at this point because I'm on a plane, like flying to Spain, got all kinds of time to write the best paper ever. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Like I can write the paper. I can read, like I'm <laughs> on it. Like one class every six weeks. I'm just, I'm just smashing it. Dang. Um, yeah. It was just smashing. And then I, but I had all this experience too. Right. I had all this like life experience and working with my psychologist and being able to, kind of reverse engineer my own success and failure wow. and, and plug it into, Oh, that was CBT. Oh, that was psychodynamic. Oh, that was, you know, emotionally focused therapy. That was just like figuring wow. out all these modalities. You could look at how back they work and... for me. Yeah. Wow. And then, um, so when I went into a job interview, I was kind of older than a lot of the people coming out of school, like for internships and stuff, but I was the uh-huh. obvious choice because I had the experience. And candidly, I was a male and black. Okay. Go figure. That yeah. helped. Wow. <laughs> Man. So, yeah. I, I, so did you have a mentor that helps you with this? Or is this like Dr. J. Richardson's thought? Like, so I... um, with the school part, my family was like, you are not going back to school again for the 
for the third time. <laughs> so they're like, trying to talk when can we be done with racing and when can you just work and be normal? <laughs> Basically, that was the consensus. Okay. Right? Just so you know. So my family, and when you read my book, you'll you'll there's I, I address that. But um um yeah, so that was something. So I mean, so my the the sports psych that I'd work with, Dr. Jeff Warren we developed a professional relationship because I'm starting to become, you know, In his a, clinic, a licensed clinical psychologist myself working yeah. with athletes. Right. Um, so he, you know, he served as a, as a great mentor, uh, Dr. Rob Irwin, who I met and interned with. He, he was on the golf side. He introduced me to neurofeedback and, you wow. know, and I was working with athletes, you know, doing neurofeedback with them. Um, and I just, I just lucky that I had, a lot of successful other people around me to kind of, you know, keep up with the Joneses yeah. <laughs> candidly. Like my cousins were super successful and known at entrepreneuring. Um, my friends, again, those bankers and finance guys, they were, you know, it got to the point where they weren't just like a teller somewhere. They were actually having people answer their phones for them and screening their calls wow. because, you know, at this, at, you know, when you're mid thirties, you, you're probably manager level or above if you've been right. working since you were 22, right? Yeah, corporate so, level success. Yeah. But I, but I, but I had this, um, I had this intel, right, coming from me, and I just had these people just kind of saying, you know, you can do it, and 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 then it was me just like approaching it like super, just BMX dude, like high I got performance. This. Like yeah. I'm gonna go. Like I'm gonna go. Let's do this. Like it was no different. Like I just employed the same program. Like I'm just gonna get the training done. Let's go. Do you think that's a high performance mentality or personality type, or can anybody learn? To I think you can like develop that? the habits. Okay. Um, it, a bit of it is personality type, um, but again, it's it's not that I, I I'm competitive because it requires me to be competitive to live the life I want. Mm. Okay. Mm. I really, it's funny. Like some of my best lap, like my best lap is not the Pan Am Games. My best lap is like, it was, I remember it. I was in second place at the NBL Grand Nationals behind John Purse in the third main. That was my best lap. Wow. And I got second that day. I was, you know, like, but I just remember being like, this is as good as it gets from a riding standpoint. Like I'm going really fast right now. I can do no wrong. I just happen to be in second. But, um, but there are people, because I do people's strengths and I do their personality. So I can see where they are on the continuum. If, if competition is a thing for them, okay. if they're motivated by um, relationships or, um, you know, kind of more material things, I can see where they're, where they lie on the personality spectrum, like how resilient they are, how focused they are. Like if they're better at spinning more plates or if they need to get one thing done before they need to, to do the next thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I got the benefit of learning all that stuff for myself. Um, but for me, it was, everything's guided by, whatever North star I kind of set out for myself. So for me, it was like, okay, psychologist person who's, you know, and I knew I wanted to plug myself back into sports and I knew I wanted to have the freedom to mostly do what I want to do and, and still be part of the sport and all that stuff. So that, that was my, my North star. Gotcha. Um, and, but, but in the, in between that, it was, yeah, there were some moments where it's like, yeah, you're not racing and there's no income and, you need to get your hours and you need to get, you need to get a internship that pays 
because we're not working for free, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And so I, you know, I definitely had sharp teeth during that whole process. I mean, I was definitely competitive, but yes. that wasn't, I wasn't because I'm a competitive person, if that makes sense. That was more of a situational. Yeah. So I'm part. splitting hairs, but again, it goes back to like, what do you, you know, setting that North star and kind of being accountable to it, like having the responsibility to, to, to own what you want, even though you may not have it yet. Love that, man. Yeah, you definitely need to have that guide to know where you're going and then put those little plans in place in order to get there. Um, let's talk about the book real quick, More, yeah. Better, Happier. Now, I, I had read that that was actually kind of like an excerpt or or more of like a like letter to the kids, to your kids. Yeah, where is it? Where is it? So. And I'll actually uh, pop that on because somebody was asking if it was an audio book. Yeah, somebody was asking, and Jason's probably read about half a chapter to record it. Yeah, <laughs> there he a is. Psycho right yeah, there. A psychologist's letter to his kids disguised as leadership. Um, so this is the ethos. This is kind of, not kind of, this is my jam. Um, and basically, it's... It's what I would want my kids to know heading out into the world. Okay. Um, that said, it it's it came off of all my experiences racing and professionally and thousands of hours of talking to people, highly competitive and not, and thousands of you know conversations and 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 it's so interesting because everybody who comes to me or a chiropractor, or a doctor, or anybody in the service world, accountant, lawyer, sometimes, they want one thing. And it's like, oh, well, I just, I, I want more, right? I want the job, I want the corner office, I want the degree, I want the, the bigger check. Okay, great. Or they want something else, and that's better. I want to fit in my, my wedding dress again. I want the abs. I want to go faster. I want to yeah. learn how to shroud. Right. I want to be it's like better. Right? <laughs> right. They're in the better right. category or right. I get this Southern California. They have the car. Yes. They have the job. They have the, the family. The bank account. Something's the funds. missing. Yes. Right. And they want that. that. They want the happier. Right. Yeah. They're coming for one thing. But check it out. Why do you want the house? Why do you want the car? Why do you want to shroud? Why do you want the abs? Why do you want your life, your wife to like you? Yeah. Right. And that's because it, there's something deeper and bigger there that you really want. And we all go to work and then we all go to play and we put these different hats on and we live in silos. But the truth is none of us can avoid the fact that all of it's intertwined and none of us are asking for the one thing we want. Now, that's hard to articulate and it's different for everybody. Right. But my whole thing is like rearranging the field so that you're playing to the more, better mm. and happier. Like, uh, okay. okay. So why do you want the car? Like, like be honest with yourself and getting at the real reason why you want what you want. And by the way, not what you think you should want because other people have it, not what yeah. you, what other people say you should want, like what you want. 
how does one decipher what they actually want? How do they quiet down the noise and, and all the influences and really look at themselves? I think, I think a lot of people know. I think a lot of people know, but I, I, you know, I get into it in this book and I talk about some of the bigger issues that we as a country at least have and some of the noise that we fight about. And I, I get people to look at their own behavior. And I think if you can look at your own behavior and your own decision-making or lack thereof, it'll start to reveal what's important to you and what's mm. driving you. And by the way, you may not like that. <laughs> like, right. I'm not saying it's going to be good. Right. But, it's My whole start. thing is, can, can you be brutally honest with yourself so that you can course correct, mm. right? Um, because, because it is all related, and I, and I want you to rearrange the playing field. I want you to be playing I – want, I want you to shoot for it all because you'll, real, you'll quickly realize that you probably have already more than you think. Ah. many of us right and don't get me wrong like i've worked in the homeless shelters i've worked at the crisis houses i i've seen destitute so i mean barring like you know the extreme ends of of those things but um but yeah i i've come across too many people who are use a psychologist joke shooting on themselves right i should have done that i should have done this (laughs) i should do that like well okay either well, I'll just I'll back up. There's plenty of fat, happy people. And I'm not saying that to shame anyone. I'm just saying that you don't have to lose the last 20 pounds, man. Like, let it go. Yeah. But just recognize you might be dealing with some knee pain or some back pain because of that. Mm. But you don't have to, like, put yourself in the pain cave if that's not what you really want. Yeah. But recognize that there's going to be there are trade-offs to that. Right. Now, if you can own what you want, then let's go for it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> let's go right. for it. Right. And and it'd be even better if you had a reason. Because the thing is, you want to probably be healthy and mobile as you're aging, not so that you just look good in your bathing suit. That's a plus, but probably so you can like lift your kids up and play yes. with your grandkids and still ride around the block. Right. Right. A good quality, quality of life. Of life. Yes. There you go. Right. right? You probably you know, it's nice to have a nice car and it's nice to have make a lot of money, but that's probably because it provides a lifestyle for you to provide for the family and the people that you care about with a little bit of less stress. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> yes. You probably want your life your wife to like you and be excited when you come home because you like having sex every now and then. Yes. And it feels good to be wanted and connected to somebody on an intimate level. Happy wife. There Happy- you go. So, <laughs> so, you know, or husband, whatever. Yeah. But, but we've talked ourselves into thinking like, if I get this, this will fix it. No, it right. won't. For like five minutes. No. And then it's gone. And by the way, like, I want you to get cool stuff. I love cool stuff. I love gear. I love bikes. I love, you know, but let's just, let's just have a real conversation about you aligning yourself with your own values and then working toward that. Yeah, I like that. It's definitely deeper than materialistic stuff. Yeah. Do you think that the a good start is like that an attitude of gratitude to be able to be grateful for what you have, but then go for more once you know? So that it's I so there I did a video, I don't know when I did it, but it was it was about the four the four things that like suck our energy. It's like complaining, comparing 
complicating and worrying. Okay. Those things, they're energy, but they, they, they suck in, they can suck energy right now. The antidote to that is focusing, right? Simplifying, being grateful. Okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And then getting to, and getting to work on that. So if you can focus and be grateful for something you already have, and by the way, it might not be material. I get it. You might be broke, but are you tall? Are you short? Are you fast? Are you quick witted? You have good hair. I don't care. Like, let's. Yeah, I something. want you. And you. And, and it's so funny because some people are like, oh, well, that stuff's not a big deal. It's like, well, that's because it's not a big deal to you, right? But the thing is, if you can learn to, and I mean, and it's hard because I've had many races and many times where it's like, I should quit. Why am I doing this? And by the way, it's not just me as an athlete. It. It, it's people as professionals, like why, you know, cause you ask that cause it gets hard. Life is kind of is beautiful. And it's also inherently tragic. That's yes. the joke. The right. joke is on all of us. Right? Yeah, right. So if you can learn to find a silver lining and not just some bull crap, silver lining, like it'll be cool. It's all good. No, 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 no. <laughs> like learn to really find the silver lining. Like, um, Oh, what's his name? He's, the most one of the most prolific authors ever um he was a holocaust survivor but he's like wow i can't believe i'm drawing a blank but he wrote um anyways the point is you might not have the luxury of being born in the best time in the world okay like <laughs> even right now there's like recession and inflation and all kinds yeah. of craziness going on like we don't control that and so it is your responsibility to find the silver lining, to find the reason, right? And for you to make meaning of this and not like some nihilistic meaning, like what's the point? It's all crappy. I mean, like some real meaning and dig into this. I love that because that is something you have control over and something mm -hmm. you can train yourself to do. <clears throat> you wake up healthy, you can breathe, you're taking your breath, you're alive. You know, it's it's all those things. Yeah. Um, Nick is saying Victor. Victor Franco, Franco. thank you, thank you, Nick, thank you. <laughs> That's my man right there. Yeah. That's, that is so, awesome. Um, Good. Yeah, and one Good of the work. you know simple things like for me, like I, I'm always amazed at food in the fridge. Yes. Like, yeah, food in the fridge. Yeah. Like, and it's cold. Yeah. And you open the fridge and the light comes on, and then it's like, <laughs> right. but I mean, you we we take this stuff for granted, but. And if you if you listening to Facebook or watching news, it makes it seem like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. But totally. But if you think about it, like the world actually works pretty well, all things considered. Yeah. Like however many billion, like how many times you flush your toilet and it works. Yeah. You have hot water. You have cold water. You have water, man. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's just it it's mind blowing to me. You know, like you go to work and you come home, like you. You send your, you know, we, we get on airplanes? Yeah, what? Right. And fly in the air and wake up in another country the next day? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's, and that's all part of what already exists. Can it be better? Sure. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking like digging into the gratitude, finding that silver lining. Like we're part of that. Yeah. I didn't invent the plane, but I damn sure wouldn't mind getting in one. And I right. sure love it when I'm going to go do my thing. You see what I'm saying? And so we can, you know, you can, you can really 
you can really dig into this thing, man, and plug yourself back in. I love more I better love happier. That. I love that. More Better Happier by Dr. Jay Rich. It's out there now. If you guys want to uh, purchase it, you can hop on Amazon and uh, type in More Better Happier, Dr. Jason Richardson, and you can find it there for Kindle and paperback. Uh, definitely give that a good read. Um, audio, the audio book is possibly in the works for later it's on. It's in the works. It's in the works. It's like, it's in the works. Somebody's you know what? I'm gonna give my, I'll give myself a public deadline. I'm going to give myself, <laughs> what is it? It's August. I'll give myself Christmas. Oh, yeah. Aggressive. Yeah. Excellent. By Christmas time, folks, take it, take it, take a look around for an audible, an audible book on more, better, happier. Dr. Jason Richardson, I love your Instagram on, on a lot of the things that you talk about, the nuggets that you drop out there. The one that you just talked about recently was about fear, and I, I was hoping you could you could kind of share with us a little bit about that story of fear and how it relates to us on the mountain bike when we're out there Just remind myself go on my my page real quick Uh, no that's making gains ah some notes on fear there we go that's it thank you so um it's real easy to want to fight the fear it's not easy to fight the fear, but that's our instinct is to fight the fear. Yeah. New feature. Okay. Big drop. 40 foot double. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. Pass. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, well, I'll put it this way. Are you brave if you do something you're not scared to do? I would say no to that. Not necessarily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> not having fear is definitely helpful. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather not be scared than scared. However, it is normal to be afraid when one is concerned about their well-being. Yay, us, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> We're concerned about our well-being. <laughs> right. Good. Like, so that means it's working, right? Your, your body and mind, like, it's working. Now, the problem is when it gets in the way of you doing what you want to do. And so mm. then what we're doing is, well, fear is in the way, so I need to get rid of the fear. And then... We get angry at the fact that we're scared or we get angry at the fact that we can't get rid of the fear. And then we're trying to fight the fear. Meanwhile, the jump is still coming up. Okay. And we either grab break or we freeze and we go end over, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, look, you, I can't ask you to not be human. I can't ask any of my clients to not be human, but the best way to get over your fear is to go through the fear. Mm. Right. It's, it's nothing special. It is days of thunder. It is special tires, Cole. You got special tires. <laughs> Just drive through it. You know, but the thing is, you're, there's generally no way around it other than to get through it. And when you get through it, you build a muscle or a habit or you build the ability to get through things that scare you. And so the fear is normal. And so I always say normalize to neutralize, normalize to neutralize. Mm. It's part of the landscape. Just like mm. winning is part of the landscape. Mm-hmm. Losing is part of the landscape. Everything, like everything is available to you in the continuum of life. Okay. It's all part of the landscape, but we get bent out of shape. We humans get bent out of shape when things start 
when, when we have this idea of how it's supposed to be, and then it starts not going that way. Okay. And then if you're hard on yourself, you like to beat yourself up and you're scared, then it's like, well, wait, now you have to be perfect to hit this jump. Now you have to be like some ultimate person athlete to just like get around the corner and pop off the drop. Like not necessarily Um, winning's ugly. That's the thing that people don't realize. Like I said, I I mean, if you, I mean, that Pan Am games lap was like basic as F. Wow. There was no special, like nothing special about the way that thing looked. Um, But it was a gold medal lap. And I can point to a lot of world championship laps and runs where it's like, oh, it was pretty, pretty sketchy. (laughs) It's only when you look back that you realize it was perfect. So my point to fear is rather than trying to fight the fear, focused on the task or the most simplest step you can take that will allow you to complete the task. Interesting. So basically piecing it apart. Yeah. So to break it down to its fundamentals. And that actually, that process is in the book. Cause I, I get it that like breaking it down, like simplifying it to one thing you can focus on one thing you can tell yourself as you're approaching a thing, you know, I one think- thing you can do that will give you the scramble just enough before you take off on the lip. Like we were racing X games downhill bmx that was gnarly one we shouldn't have been on 20 inches two the tracks were not smooth like it was and yo like it was scary but i heard and i was one of the most scared people i'm a pretty conservative racer actually but i remember like just listening to primal screams and yells as people were taking off this huge drop it's like a 50 foot drop down blind step down on a 20 inch Lord. With the only rear brakes. No shots. But that primal <laughs> yell, that primal yell was enough to short circuit whatever was going on inside to allow them to do it. To get Does through the sense? fear. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sometimes I notice a lot of people have some kind of a twitch in the air when they're jumping just to get over the fear of potentially being bucked, whatever is coming. They don't know what's going to happen. They develop something. Yeah. To help them. Yeah. You can develop. And so the thing is like, when the jump's small ish, it's like, okay, you can kind of like plan to case it a little bit, but when you're starting to get 25, 30, you know, when it's starting to get, I'd say 20 plus, Uh, you know, depending on your experience level. That's big. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's big. But, but you know, then it's, you know, then all that stuff starts kind of, what if I do this? And what if there's a knuckle and what if I, you know, so, but the the fear is not going anywhere. It just lets you know that this is important and to pay attention. Okay. So what do you pay attention to? You pay attention to the best things you can do that will get you over that obstacle as best as you can. Right. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm not saying like, just send it or go do it. Like if you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. Walk away and let it go and move on and have a good time with your day riding. Like, I mean, especially if you're not paid to do this, like, especially, yeah. right. It's yeah. supposed to be fun. But, um, but if it's if it's that day, then, then then make a plan and it's like, okay, this is how we're gonna do it. You know, sometimes if it's an open space, I will tell people to like kind of jump off to the side and kind of, you know, see how far they can get and then kind of start easing their way through it. But if it's just a big gap, um, yeah, that's and then I'll, like with anything, it's reps, right? How yes. much practice can you get and how much reps can you get? Yeah. So to dial that in. Yeah. And then go, you know, like you were saying earlier, you have a process. If people have a process of walking it out and 
finding out that it takes 16 steps to get across the gap, then, hey, that's part of the process. Yeah. <clears throat> and by the way, I love the fact that the mountain bike or BMX bike jump and going through fear can also spill over into life and things that you have going on, like you starting your business, uh, authoring your own book, being a coach, being a speaker, all these wonderful things that you've done for yourself. And I, I feel like a lot of that must have been lessons from your days on the bike. Yeah, it's it's also quietly, not so quietly, a bit of my, um, what's the word, crusade. <laughs> BMXers, I think, naturally have a little bit of a chip on the shoulder just because like, you know, of all the, of all the sport, like if all the sports were in a neighborhood, BMX would be the house with like the car on the blocks and the bad grass. We're a little <laughs> dysfunctional. Okay. But at the same time, like it is such a hard sport. It is such a hard sport and the failure rate is so high wow. and it's so obvious when you're getting smoked. Like it's so obvious because you just, you're getting beat. Right. Um, it's not just one person down the trail. It is so hard. Later. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. And that's, and that's the thing. Um, so it's, but it's a niche sport, whatever. So, so part of like my drive to, to be successful and to be out there and, and to grow this, whatever this is, cause I want, I kind of, I kind of like, cause I want, I want people to say BMX. Like I want people to know I'm, I'm that kid who was like on a BMX bike. You know, I'm the kid who wore vans when they weren't cool. Right. I'm the yeah. kid that was on the little kid's bike. Um, but there's so many lessons learned because it's head to head. It's on you. Like once you get on the gate to the finish line, it is on you. And it's, it's, um, and, and there's, like you said, there's just, there's just a lot of lessons that, that come from, I mean, you're on your, you know how to, you learn how to put it on the line is what I'm saying. Yeah. And so like going to school and going to a job interview, <sighs> Seems easy. Compared Way to... easier than world championship main event. Right. At that gate. Or even worse, world championship semi. Woo. Woo. Semifinals, <laughs> let me let you know. Quarters and semifinals are nail biters. Like Right. Trying to get like, in. Yeah. Trying to get to the main. Trying to get in. That's right. That's right. Like, you, yeah. Yeah. That's nothing. The only yeah. time I ever felt that, like, nervous, like, was when I was taking my licensing exam. That was the only time I ever felt that in kind of gen pop. That same like, okay. That same feeling. It's on. Yeah. yeah. I got to get through this. I got, to, I have to pass yeah. this. Man. I do feel it when I go on stage a bit too. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's you, more, a little more moderated. I would imagine you, you care so much about trying to make an impact on the audience that's about ready to hear your words of wisdom. You know, your, your the lesson that you have prepared, yeah. you want them to become better, more better, exactly. happier. Oh my gosh, Dr. Jason Richardson. I would love to have you back on the show. I can't believe we blew through an hour so quickly. Yeah, yeah, we went over. Right? So my apologies. On, on no, the- I love it. I love it. I wish that uh, I would love to have you back on the show to talk more about um, you know, mental health, fear, progression, the bikes, yeah. everything. Um, yeah, I love nerding out on bikes alone. So I I love I love all that. Um quick quick plug for the folks that support Dr. Jason Richardson. If you wouldn't mind, I, there's a section yeah, in the show so, I call product. So Spot. Canyon proud to say I'm part of the collective, um, IRC tires, chase BMX, chase BMX, Ooh. um, hundred percent, um, profile 
profile MTB, profile BMX, profile racing. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good group, and uh, and TNPR. Love that. Nick Buck knows what TNPR is. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Buck. I don't know if there is time. Nick Buck actually asked a question back here, and for the folks in the chat, thank you guys so much for being here. I uh, was so enthralled with Dr. J. Rich's story. Um, I didn't get to the chat as much as I normally do, but um, thank you all for being here. Oh, do you ride the park on the East Coast? I do want to do an East Coast trip. So private message me, and any excuse I have, I want to do that. Oh, there um, you go. That's oh, uh, tell them the cam loop story. So that's yes. okay. So that someone asked about hot girls and BMX, and apparently <laughs> two people, I, Lauren. But Lauren Nick, heard a <laughs> Nick heard Tippy's podcast. Uh-huh. And Tippy was interviewing Bearclaw. So this is like super name game right now. Um, but apparently there was a BMX race in Canada. I was going to say Tippy. And Richie Schley thought uh-huh. he was going to go kill it with all the ladies. <laughs> but was, I guess, from what I hear, as I understand it, was kind of bummed out because all the, all the ladies at the track were talking about me. Oh. But here's the bummer. I didn't know they were talking about me. <laughs> And I was very single then. You're in the zone. Yeah, man. So, you know. Oh, that's a good one, man. That's a good one. Dr. J. Rich, to take us out, is there is there something that you haven't shared that you would like to share with the audience for the folks that are live here now or that will listen to the podcast in the future? Yeah, so um, two things. One is, I don't know, words of wisdom, but just something to think about or employ is it's – Hard, it's hard to pay now. It hurts to pay later. Mm. Hard to pay now hurts to pay later. Either Ex- way you pay. Expand okay? on that a little bit. I love So and you, when you think about investing, and I left a lot of money on the table not investing consistently enough early in my career. I got on the stick, but still. Um, gym, right? It's like, you know, it's hard to get off the couch after you've been sitting on the couch for a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. It, but it's or, but it hurts after a couple of years, but it's hard to do it now. Like it's hard to wake up early in the morning and go for the ride or go for the run, but it's going to hurt when you can't lift up your grandchildren. Mm, See what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So it's that, it's that investment. It um, almost sounds like regret too. Like, yeah, well, you know, like uh, none of us get now. out of this thing alive. Right. But I do want most people to go through it and go, all right, I had a good run. I went yeah. for it. Right. You Versus know, having a regret play. later. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing is, so Straight Acres Gravity Fest is coming up. Okay. And I'm Kyle doing, Strait. I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing, well, I'm, I'm announcing the slalom. Uh, but before Ray. that, if you go to, and this is the first place it's announced because I haven't even, it hasn't even been posted yet. Um, Saturday, 10 a.m., meet at the Canyon spot. I don't want to say booth, but pit <laughs> area um, and meet me. And then we'll all go up to blue steel. And then I'm going to teach people how to scrub slash push through jumps and maintain speed. Nice. Yeah. So I'm hosting a, I'm hosting a learn how to scrub ride, but it's more of a learn how to be efficient on jumps and generate speed. I love that. Say, say the, the date on that again. So the date is. Or, or the event. So yeah, Straight Acres Gravity Fest on the 20th, August 20th, 10 a.m. Go to the Canyon setup. Look for me, Jason. 
and we will go up to Blue Steel and we'll have some fun learning how to push through jumps and scrub jumps, that, BMX style. That is awesome. And is that with the price of admission? You can come up and just join your your crew. Well, I'm not going to speak for um, I'm not going to speak for Big Bear or Lift Tickets or Straight Acres. So if you're that's, but I I know I'm not charging to ride. <laughs> I know I'm not charging anyone to ride up the lift with me as we ride blue steel and that, learn how to be more efficient. That is awesome. That is awesome, man. That is next Saturday, folks, August yep. 20th at snow summit, the straight acres event meet and ride with Dr. Jason Richardson. Will you happen to have any of the books on with you? Um, you know what? I can bring to? some, I always keep some on me. Yeah. But I'll, I'll probably have like 10 ish copies. Yeah. If anybody is wanting to pick up a live book from Dr. Jason Richardson, you can do it there potentially on the 20th as well, or head on over to Amazon, type in more, better, happier, Dr. J. Rich, and pick up a copy right there. Dr. Jason Richardson, thank you so much for yeah, being for on the me. show. I love it. We even had, uh, look at this, Miami is, is still on. This guy was incredible. Appreciate it. Three hours ahead. I love it. I they love have some great it. pump tracks there in the, in the Florida area. Yeah, we got to get to Johnny U. We got to get you on some of those. Uh, Dr. J. Rich, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'll let you take us out for the close. Really? Yeah. What do I do? What are the, well, I don't know. Hey, <laughs> thanks for having me. Um, love love being part of the, the bike and cycling community at large. And uh, yeah, also, if anybody would like to bring me in to speak... I mean, that is my jam. I'd love to come to your company or your sales event or conference and light it up. Yes. BMX style, BMX background. I love it. And for the folks who want to reach out to you for anything like that in the future, um, where are your social yeah. media handles? Yeah, so at Real Dr. J Rich, that's my Instagram, that's my Twitter. I'm barely on Twitter. Um, you can DM me, I will get back to you or through my website, that's drjasonrichardson.com 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 and the real j rich on ig thanks again doctor i really appreciate it always man i just love every time we interact if it's on instagram with the dms and then this live i really appreciate your wisdom and i loved your story so good so good appreciate it thank you thank you everybody have a good night right. peace yo Oh, Senders, that was a fun episode. Hope you guys enjoyed what you heard there with Dr. Jay Rich and I. I love his thought process and how he just navigated that whole education and his career of racing. Folks, hope you guys are doing well. As always, set those goals, make those little steps to work hard towards those goals, and ultimately live out that main one, that big dream that you have, because it's there for a reason. So why not go out and get it? Hope you guys are doing good. Appreciate you all, and we'll see you all on the next episode.